Welcome to Make It Count, Living a Legacy Life, where we invest in what matters, God and people. I'm Sue Donaldson, speaker, author, and creator of WelcomeHeart.com, where you can learn to know and show the heart of God. And that's what counts. Thank you for joining me. Today, I'm so excited to introduce my friend, Bob Goff. You probably already know him from Love Does. That's when I first found out about you. I love that book, and everybody in my family got that for Christmas that year. So, Bob, tell us a little bit about yourself, about your family, and what makes you excited to get out of bed in the morning. Yeah, well, I'm a recovering lawyer. I've got a (laughs) wife, sweet Maria Goff, and three grown kids, and one grandchild, which we're stoked about. Um, I spend all my time in San Diego. I used to spend it elsewhere, but then things kind of slowed down March 16th when Earth stopped spinning. Mm-hmm. Um, so we still run programs for <clears throat> kids. We've got schools, uh, you know, brick buildings in uh, seven different countries and maybe 3,000 or more kids that go there. Uh, those that can't meet anymore we're sending, we're supplying food to like in Mogadishu, Somalia, that's like a food program uh, during times where people are separated. Afghanistan, the kids just arrived back at classes. Uganda is out, Nepal is back. So we're just like sorting through. It's like running lots of high schools. (laughs) So that's what I do. What did you, what first got you interested in helping uh, kids in school? Yeah, I think it was uh, children that were my kids' age at the time. I'm like older than dirt now, but at the time, our (laughs) kids were like 8, 10, and 12. And uh, I really wanted them to see the world that they were living in. And so we started doing things around the world. That was right around 9-11 when that happened. And um, so we just decided we're going to try to move the needle in people's lives a little bit um, across uh, an ocean, but also across the street. So I used my law job as a day job okay. uh, to pay for these things. And then I picked up a little bit of momentum in terms of the costs of making all this happen. So I wrote a book and we just gave all the money for that away. And they fortunately sold millions of these things. So, uh, so that continues to uh, help Love Does This Outfit continue to do the things it does. And then a lot of people are just like helpful. They just, it's like a, a stone soup. You know, yeah, that kid story where everybody just like throws in what they've got and everybody right. gets fed. I've actually had a party and everybody had to bring something except for stones. So that yeah, worked out that great. It. Yeah. <laughs> so that is like one of uh, lots of things that you do. I know how I met you personally through the Big Dream Framework and you talk a lot about dreams. Why did you come up with that word? I mean, dream. I mean, you could have come up with vision or purpose or yeah. legacy, but why dream? Well, I just wanted, uh, I'm like kind of a man of the cloth without the cloth. So it's a faith is a big thing for me, but mm-hmm. I don't uh, uh, bend towards 20 pound words to describe things or words that just sound really religious. Uh, so I just think everybody knows what a dream is. Uh, the crazy part is a lot of people think you do your dreaming when you're asleep. But I think we do some of our best dreaming about our ambitions, like when we're wide awake. Because everybody dreams. I, I, even a dog wags its tail when it's dreaming. <laughs> yeah. uh, but to say, what I want to do when I'm fully awake to myself, when I'm fully awake, if faith is important to you, then fully awake to your faith. If it's not important to you, like fully awake to the things that are. Have uh, you ever had someone say to you, I have knocked on this door for 20 years or 10 years or 
a month. And I think it's my dream from God or just a dream like while I'm asleep and when I'm awake and it's not happening. I mean, this happened to me. I spoke on this years ago and a woman came up and said, Sue, why do you talk about dreams? Because mine is not coming true. What would you say to someone like that? Yeah. Well, first of all, it's just, I want to empathize. It's just like so frustrating when you have something you want to do and exactly. every time you make a step towards it, it seems like it moves away or your footing slips or some, it just doesn't seem fair. And the thing about dreams is that they're not fair. Uh, <laughs> they're, they're, they're not playing fair with you, uh, mm -hmm. but you could remind yourself about why this is important to you. If you just said like, why is it important? Uh, if you set out to climb Kilimanjaro, sit, remind yourself during those times where you're just dog tired and want to turn around, remember about why you started. Okay. And so, uh, so I would say that if it's a relationship, if it's a career, if it's a, whatever it is, it must've been important enough for you to uh, devote a significant amount of attention to for decades. Uh, and it's kind of like trying to pick a lock. I know you and I've talked about that before. Like you're just trying to, pick the lock, you spin the dial one way and hear for some tumblers, then you spin it the other way, listen for some more, spin it the other way. And if you do three spins in the right order uh, and move the lever, then it opens. <laughs> <laughs> so it's gonna take a while. The crazy thing in the Bible, the word suddenly appears 87 times, which always cracks me up because wow. nothing in my life has happened suddenly. Right. Like I didn't uh, date suddenly, I didn't get married suddenly, I didn't have kids suddenly. Nothing has happened suddenly. We didn't start the schools in Afghanistan suddenly. Um, and so for most of us, I hope we can just take some uh, encouragement from that because yeah. people are recounting what happened. Sometimes the timeline kind of condenses a little bit and it sounds like suddenly. So right. then suddenly you fill in the sentence of somebody that you admire and you go like, well, really, there was actually, if you traced out what happened, there was a lot of misfires and missteps and disappointments and a couple uh, encouraging things and a few not encouraging things and but then that all of a sudden condenses into so then i won the olympics yeah exactly. <laughs> but you know that did not happen suddenly. and you know i think that's a great comfort i remember telling my brother a failure i had and he goes oh good you'll learn a whole lot more through this failure well that did not comfort me but he was right yeah. And I don't know, I, I know that you've had some things that have been hard knocks. I mean, losing your house up in Canada through fire. Yeah. It's like, where did I put that thing? I'm like, oh, yeah, burned out. Oh, yeah it burned <laughs> out, which all of California is <laughs> burning down today. Our skies are orange. Um, I, like, uh, I like to talk about legacy because we only have so much time while we're on this earth. And so we might as well be building into something that lasts. So what do you see as your biggest legacy? Well, uh, to your point about the time that we have, uh, on average, each of us has 27,373 days. Isn't that crazy? That's I'm a crazy. lawyer. I just like know that stuff. Now, I'm hoping <laughs> I can outlive everybody, everyone listening, <laughs> even people who aren't listening. Uh, school children, I hope I'm going to, I hope you live really long lives and that I outlast I'll you. you. Yeah. yeah. So um, but you what I want to do is to say with the remaining days, I've done the math, 62. <laughs> times 365, that's how many I've used against my 27,375. And so what I decided to do is I'd just be available to the people and the things I love the most. And it sounds like so simple, but sometimes we make legacy sound like it's this logarithm. It's this very complicated calculation and can certainly have a lot of strategy behind it. 
but I wouldn't make it as complicated as sometimes we do. Mm-hmm. Um, you could say like, what's the headline in your life this year, like for 2020? And if it has the word virus in it, you're picking the wrong headline. There we go. That's something that happened. That isn't something that defined you. It was definitely a, a circumstance that happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and if uh, for 2019, you lost your job and the headline is I got fired, um, or you lost a relationship and you said, I got divorced, or you lost whatever. That's not the headline in your life. That is certainly something really painful that happened, but that isn't who you are. So legacy is that kind of, uh, the, the Bible describes it as the aroma of Christ. It's that mm. lingering aroma. I used to have a grandfather that smoked a pipe and you could just smell on his vest, you know, the pipe smoke. It was like that. Thing it's almost like it. It's the smell on the pillow. It's the yeah everything. I like. I, like, uh, I think it's from Oswald Chambers. But when <gasps> when you leave the room, you've left the room that people still know that Jesus was there. Oh yeah, bingo. because of the aroma of Christ. So that's yeah. yeah. That's a so legacy will legacy. be the uh, um, like I have a great grandfather who evidently was a sheriff in Montana, and I've just told you everything I know about him. Like that's it. <laughs> Evidently, he had kids, and they evidently had kids, or I wouldn't be talking to you right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but other than being a, something you do with a sheriff in Montana, I don't know, it's almost like he set out to be intentionally invisible, and he didn't. I think he had successes and failures. He had objectives, goals, he had things, but somehow they didn't outlast him. And I intend to have my mind outlast me. Now, I don't need to have my face chiseled in as the fourth or fifth face in Dakota, depending on how things go. That's just, just pissing me off. But, but one of the things that I, what I want to have outlast me is this idea of kindness or availability. Mm-hmm. And so if you say something as easily as uh, I'm the guy that always answers his phone. Right. And you did um, answer your phone when I called. I was so scared when I dialed the number that you would, and you did answer. And it was terrific. But what would be an obstacle to leaving that kind of, or a challenge for leaving a legacy of love and kindness and, and availability? What challenges have you faced in trying to leave that? One of the challenges is that there's people and they're difficult. And uh, <laughs> <Correct me laughs> then I realized in a little further analysis that I'm among the difficult people. Like I'm not as uh, swell as I think I am. <laughs> Don't believe um, the press. Huh? I'm not as uh, like delightful and lovely to be around as I perceive myself as being. And so what I'm trying to do is just go a little easier on the people around me mm-hmm. when they're just flat wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't feel like I'm the umpire anymore. Calling balls and strikes, I'm the base mm-hmm. coach. So I'm what changed that? Who, what changed that? When you were younger, you think you were more like you would call the strikes and the fouls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For some reason, I thought that was helpful. And <laughs> then I uh, realized that the people that <laughs> thought they were being helpful to me yeah. actually weren't that helpful. No. I don't need words of correction. I need words of encouragement. Right. Give me right. a cup of water, not a slap in the butt. <laughs> I just don't slap anything these days. Like what I want you to do is just give me what I need. I'll let you know what I need. But what it's on us is to know that what we need, we need to be able to articulate, uh, this is what I need. And so sometimes you, you might just need a little bit of a break mm-hmm. from all the crazy. You might have an environment or have grown up or be in a family where there's a lot of crazy. You might have a nutty uncle uh, that pulls into town and then 
just because chaos pulls into town, you don't need to go under the big top and mm -hmm. you certainly don't need to run away with a circus. You could just say like, actually what I need is a little space from that. Mm -hmm. And so being self-aware is mm -hmm. going to be the secret. That's going to be listening to yourself, spinning the wheel a little bit, mm -hmm. listening for the tumblers fall and to say, you know, this would be an ambition that would be really lasting. I'm not trying to insulate myself from everybody, but I'm trying to isolate myself from a few people that are creating uh, a lot of distraction in my life. And um, I just have this underlying belief that Satan doesn't need to destroy us. He just wants to distract us. So you mm -hmm. can get distracted by the news or whoever has the mm -hmm. hairdo or whatever it is that's going on. Mm -hmm. And I'm just not going to get distracted by that. I'm not going to be shouting in a room that's already really loud and try mm -hmm. to shout over everybody else. I'd rather just be quiet, let it settle down. And then if I have something to say, I'll write it. <laughs> you used the word success a few minutes ago. What would be your definition of success? Oh, minimum, maybe a thousand grandkids. Oh! I want grandkids so bad. It's a little pressure on your kids, Bob. Oh yeah, the golfs are not producing. We've got one. <laughs> Uh, but man, I'm going to hand out hoodies that say make people. Yeah. Like I, but one of the things that I hope is I could just be helpful. Um, mm -hmm. I want to be helpful to my family and my kids are old enough to know what they want, who they want to be. And they don't need me to be telling them what to do, mm -hmm. uh, but it's joining in mm -hmm. in whatever it is that they have in mind that they want to do. If you, uh, if someone listening today says, well, I don't think I'm very self-aware. What advice would you give them? To become I more self-aware. Scene of the crime. Uh, mm. uh, well, by self-aware, I mean like if you had this little. Let's say your parents broke up when you were young, and so what we do is we make up stories to explain the parts of our lives that we don't quite understand, hmm. and then we make up rules to support the stories that we made up to explain the things we couldn't understand. So if your parents broke up, you made up create a story that you're the problem. You're mm -hmm. not lovable enough. And really that's just, I'm calling BS on that. Like what happened is that you had two fallible people who loved each other imperfectly. They couldn't sort it out and they broke up. Like that's what happened. Uh, but you at eight years old uh, made up a story to under, understand things that mm -hmm. your, even your parents didn't understand. Right. And then you made up rules hmm. around the story. The, the rule is I'm never going deep with anybody. So then fast forward to sweet old you now, and you say, why do my relationships not go very deep? Uh, if we went back to the scene of the crime, the little outline of you at eight years old with your parents packing, uh, you'd say, I made up a story, then I made up some rules and I'm living into the rules. And I wanna say, let's make up some new rules and let's explore that story to say it actually probably isn't true. Uh, and if it is true, maybe you are on level, unlovable like i would say like then let's come up with some new rules around that like be nice <laughs> yeah just be nice yeah so one of the things you can do you could say like yeah i never get what i want and you go like well then okay so what's the story behind that where did that happen hmm. well like what's the earliest memory you have of not getting something you wanted a baseball you, bat a, you sound more like a therapist than yeah. a author or a an attorney I'm just so, like, a, what do they say? It. One blind man showing the other blind man where the bread is. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just telling you what I've been doing for me, yes. which is to say, what happened to little eight-year-old Bobby Goff? And mm -hmm. now he's 62 mm -hmm. and he's trying to sort that out. So if I 
react disproportionately to a circumstance, like something really like we all know what that feels like when somebody pressed our button, right. um, then I'd say, well, probably what's happening, I'm not reacting to the person in front of me. I'm reacting to my whole life right. of being told I'm not like whatever. And so this disproportionate weird indicator, if you're listening, that's the flag. And right. I would trail, this is not a trail of breadcrumbs, it's loaves, <laughs> like all the way back Hard to tech. when that happened mm -hmm. and to say, can we carve a new little groove in our brain? And mm -hmm. to say, when you're prompted to just like go ham on something, could you just chill out a little bit, just take a breath and just say like, no, I don't need to swing at that pitch. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to mail, I might shout into my pillow tonight about it, but I'm just not going to engage that right now because the room's already really loud. I love that when you ended, I think you ended the framework by picking up a big bat and saying, you're not going to swing at that pitch. And I thought that is so, it's so simple, but profound, which is what uh, made it, made it stick. How do you keep grounded in your relationship with God? You are, you are on demand. I mean, people want to hear you speak all the time. You're so inspiring. You're hilarious. I love it. And you always has an, a new project going on, but how do you keep grounded with God? And do you have a favorite, do you have a favorite scripture passage or you just love them all? Yeah. You know, I, I love them all. I just don't uh, act on them all. Me I too. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't found any verses I disagree with. There's plenty that I haven't incorporated into my life yet. There's a great one in Galatians 5, 6. It says the only thing that matters is your faith expressed in love. And it isn't because God needs our help because he doesn't. I ask him every day. Can I help you out? And his answer is always the same. Nope. nope. <laughs> so what I want to do, uh, I think, is make faith accessible, uh, make it simple, but I don't want to make it easy because it'll actually kill you uh, from everything I've been reading. It'll kill all of your pride. It'll kill all of your selfishness. It'll First, it'll expose it, and then it'll kill it. Um, and so... What I want to do, though, is some of the things Jesus said. It, Matthew 15, it said he never spoke to anybody without telling them a story. So I'm always trying to understand my faith uh, through the things that are around me, maybe things that are super relatable. I mean, Jesus pointed to two sheep, and he started talking about that. Um, so maybe to say I want to make a faith that's, uh, that's deep and profound. Uh, but I was talking, I got a call a day or two ago from a guy who said, I'm really struggling with incorporating my theology and my political views and, and, and how can I get to a higher level of thinking with, my, with both. And I, I was kind of laughing. I said, can you imagine just go out with me on the Sea of Galilee and now we get on the boat with these guys that, you know, wearing thongs and, and to say, them, hear them saying, you know, I'm really struggling with my theology and then the Romans, the whole political got us under something. They were just, they got the nets on the wrong side of the boat. And then uh, this guy, they didn't even know who he was. Mm -hmm. He said, put him on the other side. They did, it worked. Yeah. Um, and so I just want to keep it a little simpler and get it out of the lofty ivory tower kind of stuff. And if that blows your hair back, then I like Mazel Tov, like keep doing that. But it doesn't for me. Um, there's a woman uh, who had two boys in the uh, war. It was World War II. And uh, what they did to keep the ammo dry, they would have the, uh, the cases with the ammunition, they'd wrap it in paper, they'd dip the whole thing in wax, and then they'd send it out into the field. Well, her boys couldn't get to the ammo to fight the fights they were in, so she invented something to keep the ammo dry 
but make it accessible. She brought it to her boss at Johnson & Johnson, said, look what I invented. He thought it was a stupid idea. That may have happened to some of us. Like you have this beautiful ambition. You just, you wanted to do something helpful. You brought it to somebody for approval and they said like, no. But here's the distinguishing characteristic. She had two boys that were fighting fights and she needed to give them what they needed to fight the fights they were in. So she wrote to the president of the United States and she said, this is what I've invented. He wow. sent it to the Pentagon and that's how duct tape was invented. No. Isn't that crazy? That's a wonderful story. What I wanna do is I learn like, what is it that we're asking for permission and then somebody says no and we say something stupid like God shut the door. Uh, God is not going to land a ladybug on your nose to send a message. He'll drop a piano on you. And if Billy says no, don't think that God just spoke. Now, if your name is Balaam, you've got a donkey and it starts talking to you, you've yes. heard from God. Right. If you're 16, your name is Mary and you're pregnant and still a virgin, God has spoken. But if Billy, your boss, says no to the duct tape idea, you go right up the chain of command. You go like, no, no, no. Uh, you don't realize I've literally got skin in the game. My boys are going to get what they need to fight the fights. So if we can get back to the reason that we're doing what we're doing, our jobs, our marriages, our uh, whatever it is that you're investing, your benevolence, uh, whatever it is that you're doing, remind yourself, like, why did I start out on this? So what was my skin in the game? And then don't rely on somebody saying no or some, circumstance or something you read in the newspaper and say, well, you know, this changes everything. I'm like, that just, that just new information. I don't know if it changes everything. Yeah. Wow. Wow. That is so wonderful. Well, any last words for my audience? Well, Thank uh, you gosh, can you time. imagine last words? It'd be like, That's I have one more summer. thing. <laughs> one more thing. <laughs> one of the things that I want to remember in my life is that I want to live a life of engagement and the way that you do it is to not make it all about you. <clears throat> that's the thing that I've just keep. If there was, I'm not big on tattoos, but if I was gonna get one, that's what it'd be. It's not about me. And so to see that we're not the hero in all these stories, we're not the victim in all the stories, we're just a participant. And so I wanna be a participant. That's why I jumped at the chance to be on the show with you. I think we just participate with each other. We make mm -hmm. ourselves available and then just trust that as these things get released into the world, that God will do whatever he has in mind. It might be the right word at the right time. And if this is for you, then awesome. And if it's not, let it be water on a duck's back. There we <laughs> just go. roll right off. Well, I will pray for more grandchildren for you and for husbands for my daughters. Yes. <laughs> Thank you so much, Bob. I really appreciate you. And it's, you, you have so much material here, and I know it's going to bless everyone that listens. So thank you. Oh, thank you. Until next time, think about your legacy, the one God has called you to live, all for heaven's sake. I would love to speak at your next Christian Women's event. See my keynotes and retreat series, as well as the show notes from today's broadcast at welcomeheart.com. Thanks for coming. You're always welcome here.